With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Pick up a 12-pack today. Enjoy your HN Podcast, John Miller along with Rob Howe coming to you from the Exile Brewing Company studios. And Rob, Iowa has held their first game week press conference, media sessions, whatever you want to call it, uh, earlier this week on Tuesday. We record this on Wednesday, August the 30th, three days from the uh, start of the game. And let's, let's start with the roster. I, I talked about 16, 18 minutes on the 2D roster. Yes, that's possible to do. Um, the other day, myself, just kind of surprised a little bit about some things that I saw. To me, the big, big takeaway is, what was it, seven, eight uh, true freshmen on the two-deep roster? Not just like when we get through the first game, oh, okay, you know, seven to ten freshmen played in this game. But there's seven to ten freshmen, you know, seven or eight freshmen on the two-deep roster, and a, a good, uh, I bet three or four of them play significant roles this weekend. Yeah, I think this is uh, the Newkirk. We talk about some things still being Newkirk or some things still being Old Kirk and some things being Newkirk. I think this is kind of the direction. They, they played 10 last year, I believe. Um, and now, you know, they're going into the first week as, of the season, as you said, with guys on the depth chart. That's, that's something that's a little bit different. Um, you know, we see guys on special teams and then, you know, we'd be at the games and we'll stu- still do this on Saturday. Say, you know, you'll tweet up oh, true freshman. So-and-so is in the game. Um, but now we have a little bit of a head start knowing who the coaches believe are in line for playing time. Um, and, and Kirk talking about it yesterday, there are still some maybes. Um, I, I didn't get the sense that Chris, Tristan Wirfs, the offensive lineman from Mount Vernon, was a definite. Um, right. I, Kelly Martin is out kick return. Um, but I do get a sense that they'll probably use him in some capacity. Um, and then uh, Ryan Gersande is the backup punter. Kirk talked about possibly splitting punting duties. I, I'm not sure how that will work. Um, but, I, but I think there are guys that aren't on the depth chart that will play, such as Max Cooper and Amir Smith-Marset. So I still think we're going to be in that 8-10 to 10 range pretty easily, John. Yeah, I think so. You know, and uh, Kelly Martin uh, at kick returner. I mean, if, if, if that's primarily what he does this year, and doesn't do anything else as far as a ball carrier is concerned. Maybe he's the honorary Jonathan Parker jet sweep role player this year for this team, and hopefully they use him in other offensive packages if they're going to do that other than just the telltale, oh, Jonathan Parker came in the game. Here comes either a ghost motion jet sweep or a jet sweep. Um, If all he did was return kicks, given his skill set, and you're far more familiar with it than I am, that's a significant role for a true freshman, and you get his feet wet 
and next year when he's a, a true sophomore, the game slows down for these guys. I think that's one of the big reasons why Kirk plays these guys, you know, when they're young. A, that he thinks that they can either help them a lot, which I think is rarely the case, but B, he knows they're going to play significant roles likely next year, and you get in, you get this game action so that when you go play next year, the game is slower. And when the game is slower, you can play faster. Yeah, I think, and he goes back and references A.J. Eads. Yes, he's uh, the first one. He's the guy that really changed his mind about playing true freshman. Um, And it ended up working out well for A.J. playing special teams. I think it was 2006, and then started 07, 08, 09. And he was on the the Orange Bowl championship team uh, playing the Leo linebacker, and it worked out really well for him. And it's worked out for Ben Neiman. You know, I think he blocked a punt his true freshman year. And now, you know, he's had some injuries and things like that. But, you know, he's established and and should have his best year this year. it's hard, John, because I understand, and we have people. There's a thread on our message board where people, you know, saying don't burn Werfs' red shirt, and you know, save the red shirts. There's there's always that split when it comes to this. Get them on the field as soon as possible. We want to see them, and then the other people that don't want to burn the red shirt, and we're wasted a year. Um, but I'm with you. If a guy can get his feet wet, and it propels him into that next year when he's going to be a player, and Werfs. I would imagine is going to be a player on the offensive line next year. I think you got to do it. Yeah, no question about that. And I think with Werfs, you know, this is putting the cart before the horse. And I know some people will bristle at this, but he has the size and I think the ability that he he's going to have a decision after three years of college as far as the next level if he's healthy. And I know that's a lot. And you can go ahead and you know shout me down if you want, but. You know, he is, gosh, right now as a true freshman on the depth chart, he's listed at 6'5", 315. He's incredibly strong. He's incredibly agile. He played exceptionally well, you know, at the, uh, you know, was it the U.S. Army All-American game that he was in? I can't remember if it was that one or a different one. Yeah, he was there with AJ. Yeah, he did exceptional there. He's a legit, legit talent. And... You have to be in college three years removed from your high school graduating class. Just like I think James Daniels is going to have a decision to make at the end of this season. Do you agree with that on Worfs? I mean, some of these guys, you know, if you think they can get in, two years is, you know, I don't two years is probably the worst case scenario, but it's a realistic case scenario in some of these instances. Yeah, and I think, John, maybe I'm going out on a limb here and, and maybe off topic, but. I think more and more, you know, and I won't touch on this a lot because it's a different, you know, maybe something we can talk about later. But Ed Cunningham, what he did today and the kind of the, you know, the direction and and the view of football these days, I think guys are going to want to get in and out of college right. and make that money in the NFL quicker and quicker as we see more and more of these stories talking about brain injuries. Um, and I'm not wishing that or saying that's going to be the case with every person, but I think there's that that momentum is starting to, to build now. Um, and when you have guys like A.J. Epinesa and Tristan Wirfs and guys that are college ready when they get here from high school, there, there's just, to me, there's no need to wait. If they're ready to get on the field, if they're physically able to get on the field and compete and help your football team i think you have to do it i think that's a great point i mean we're just what 18 months two years removed from people talking about potentially looking to give players um six years 
the village ability or I, I don't know just just an insane amount or no they could play five seasons you can play all five seasons and you know if one year you can't play you you know you don't necessarily redshirt you get five to play five um and now we're going the other way and i think you're exactly right i mean that's one less year especially for a lineman who basically has a head-on collision every snap of every practice uh of their life and you do that at college, whether it's practice or in games, that's just many, many collisions. I shouldn't say many collisions. It'd probably knock me unconscious if I went up against, you know, A.J. Hepinesa across the line from me, even at, you know, two feet. That's a great point. Get in, get out, get paid, and, and hopefully you dance through the raindrop. So that's, uh, that's a great point. Um, other, you know, Brandon Smith listed as a two with Vandenberg, the one at one uh, wide receiver position. Nick Easley, a junior college transfer. Uh, at the other position with Devontae Young, and then also the or line with Matt Quarles. Anything surprising? I mean, I think Brandon Smith all along, we thought that he had a chance to really come in, step in, and play, but you know, he hasn't played yet, but he's on the depth chart. Anything surprising at receiver? Not really. And I, we heard more buzz in the preseason, and partially that was uh, self created buzz, you know, with right. Max Cooper and Amir Smith Marset, that, you know, the, the small snapshots we got, they looked a little bit. But when I think back to it now, Brandon Smith had a pretty good. Um, kids day practice he caught pretty much everything thrown his way he's a big guy that can do things across the middle um, and I think that is something that they don't have in the group of receivers that are with him on the depth chart he's different than the other three guys he's different than Vandenberg Easley and Devontae Young and I think that's probably why he's on there and Kirk also said the other day that Cooper and, and Amir Smith-Marset would play um, so three true freshman receivers are going to play I was a little surprised by Quarles to be honest with you because Kirk yeah. had said the week before on Tuesday that he was still pretty far off and he was kind of tempering things saying you know that he's going to help us this year we're just not sure when and then he so that's a good sign to me that he's made that progress to this point where he can get on that depth chart and maybe get into that rotation right out of the gate it's either a good sign or yeah. it's a bad sign and I and I had to remind myself the other day that you know we're nine months removed from Iowa having the worst wide receiving core in the Big Ten last year. I mean, you have 2,000-yard rushers. You have, you know, the the offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award. Do I think they were the best offensive line in the country? Probably not. They weren't very good collectively as pass blockers, but they were they were good, and they, and they were honored as the best offensive line in the country. Um, and you have a, a tight end who's likely going you know possibly going to be starting for the san francisco 49ers and yet a quarterback who wasn't who wasn't healthy but you know who's going to be the backup for the 49ers possibly and you had the worst passing offense in the modern era of iowa football because partly because your receivers were not very good so we can look at these guys and get excited about names and you know unfamiliarity and, and you know the excitement of the unknown but matt vandenberg is maybe a three a third receiver on the majority of Big Ten rosters. And that's no disrespect to Matt. I'm glad he's on Iowa's team. But this is still a position where they got a lot of, you know, swimming against the current in my in my opinion. I think Matt's better than that a little. I mean, I know what you're saying. I, I He shouldn't be the main guy. Um, so I, I agree with you there. Um, but I, I think he's still underrated and undervalued in a lot of respects. He, he does a lot of things well and um, – 
they really need him to stay healthy. I think when we interviewed him yesterday, and I didn't realize this was the number, he said there are nine new guys in the receiver room since, what do you say, since the end of last season. Think That's about insane. it. Nine new receivers in the you know in the receiver core since the end of last season. That's just remarkable. It is, and and possibly Rob, that went into making the decision on who the starting quarterback was going to be all that much more difficult when you had that, and and then factor in you know um, tight end Noah Fant and T.J. Hawkinson didn't play last year. Fant played some, but they're list they're probably one two as far as your move tight ends are concerned. Um, so I would I would imagine there was a lot of inconsistency inconsistency and a lot of blown routes out there by the uh, the group of pass catchers during practice, which makes it hard to evaluate quarterback. And Iowa wound up going with Nate Stanley. Don't call me Nathan Stanley um, at the quarterback, which doesn't surprise anybody. Uh, big arm, and he's the guy leading the way early on. And unless he goes out and pukes all over himself, he'll probably be the guy all throughout the uh, the year as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, I would think so. Um, he's he's got it. I'm not saying he's got it easy, but coming out of the gate, he's not exactly playing the 85 Bears defenses with Wyoming and and Iowa State. So you would hope that that would help that they'll be able to run the ball and not put as much pressure on him. I think the thing that goes maybe unrecognized because we haven't seen him play much, John, is his ability to run. Um, he's not going to be a read option guy or anything like that, but he can move. Um, he, he ran quite a bit in, in high school, um, not to not as, as not designed running plays, but kept plays alive. Right. Um, can move the pocket. Um, he's pretty athletic at six five two thirty um, with a rocket for an arm. So um, the potential is there. But for me, like you said, with so many moving pieces and new guys on offense, you just wonder. He split all those reps during August and even in the spring, what type of rapport he has with those guys. So that to me, that'll be the interesting thing out of the gate. Who who he who are his guys, who he looks to, um, who he has a rapport with um, and how that develops over the season. You know, I'll be surprised and I often am. Because the strategy I'm about to talk about is a strategy that I would use against Iowa nearly every year I've watched them play, with the exception of a few offensive years. If I was a defensive coordinator going up against Iowa, and I'm going to you know, make it really simple here, I would blitz the hell out of them. I would blitz, blitz, blitz until they beat me not once, not twice, but three times deep. And then I would reevaluate things. I would just bring the heat. I would bring run blitzes. I would bring blindside cornerback blitzes, especially when you have a quarterback who's never started a game, never started a road game, obviously, when he goes to Iowa State in week two. I'd blitz the heck out of him and, and, and force Iowa to do things that they don't want to do. Now, I think that there are things you can do to make a defense more honest. Iowa has normally not done those things. One is you can still be a running football team out of formations that spread the defense out as opposed to inviting them to load the tackle box. I mean, if you, if you want to run it into eight-man fronts, then bring in two damn tight ends or three, and let's just go and let's have a uh, you-know-you-know-what contest out there. But, you know, trying to do that uh, cutesy with, you know, trips to the right and one split left, you're not fooling anybody. And I'm hoping that this era of Brian Ferentz offensive coordination will finally take advantage of running the football 
out of one back sets and four receivers split wide and not running into the teeth of the defense because if a defense is going to be aggressive and blitz it's a lot harder to do it out of a situation like that because then you can make hot reads to an Akram Wadley in the slot to just go two or three yards sit and catch it and go I'm hoping that Iowa adds those wrinkles to their offense this year yeah, I can't imagine that Wyoming is going to come out and just play a base defense and just hang out and, you know, try to st- stop Iowa's run. Or they're Iowa gonna, State, no shot. No shot. No, they're going to load the box and they're going to force Stanley and the young wide receivers and tight ends that we talked about beat them. And that's the smart game plan. And as you said, what can Iowa do to counter that? That's what we've seen through the years that there are too many times we can remember where they don't counter, where they don't look for mismatches. I think this offense has the potential to do that, as you said. I think you have backs that can catch the football. Um, You can do some different things. You have very athletic tight ends. You can do some things to discourage the blitzing and the aggressive behavior and the loading of the box. It's just a matter of if we're going to see them do that. I think we all have hopes that that Brian Ferentz has the, you know, has the master plan. And I'm really intrigued. I'm I'm excited to see what what this is going to look like. I mean, Greg Greg Davis is gone. It's the it's the next it's the next phase of the Kirk Ferentz era and probably the last chapter of this book and we're going to see it written right in front of our eyes. Folks, Exile Brewing Company wants me to tell you about a big party they're going to have. Their 5-year anniversary street party that's coming up on September 16th. Plenty of beer and fun will be had as well as live sets by some very talented bands. Tickets on sale now, $20 in advance, $25 at the door during that fifth anniversary party on September 16th. The brew pub is going to be closed for regular service. Entry to the fifth anniversary street party, grounds, beer hall, patio, and annex bars will be only for those who have tickets. Tickets must be purchased in advance for $20 or at the door for $25. Cheers to five years, and here's to five more. I don't expect Iowa to come out in the first half against Wyoming and do things like that. I think the first quarter you go out there, you get a feel for it. You let your guys get a feel for actually playing in a game. Uh, and, and you stick to the basics, and then some of those basics are going to be inside zone, outside zone. The things that we've come to know, a lot of you know, um, tight end waggle, bootleg stuff. Uh, you'll see a lot, I think you'll see a lot of those familiar things. And then based upon the fronts that, that Wyoming presents, and, and much in the same way the next week against Iowa State, uh, you, you zag a little when they zig. Um, Miguel Racinos will get the nod as the quote-unquote starting kicker over Keith Duncan. But I got the feeling from you know, reading Kirk's comments, and you were in the room when he said them, that this this competition may be ongoing a little bit. It's, it's not necessarily Racino's with a lot of daylight in between. Yeah, it was. I had asked Kirk that, the question about that, how, you know, how surprising that is that, you know, one of the heroes of last year who was 9 of 11 on field goals and Keith Duncan gets beat out, you know, in summer camp the next year by – by a walk-on who really hasn't played a whole lot other than taking a couple long attempts last year and then kicking some some garbage time extra points the the year before that and uh but Racinos looked the part at kids day I mean he was nine for nine and he was showed a, a really strong leg he hit a couple uh in the 50 yard range that probably would have been good from 55 or 60 um but I did I'm with you I got that sense yesterday that Kirk said he kind of you know qualified his statement a little bit by saying right now Miguel is 
got the best percentages, but he wasn't convinced that this was going to hold up throughout the whole year. Um, and I think we could see kind of a, uh, you know, um, a matchup like we saw last year where, where Duncan does extra points and maybe the short stuff and Racinos is the long guy. Racinos will kick off as well. So um, he certainly has a role. And uh, we'll see. I mean, it's such an important part of this team because it's, you know, inevitably there are just a boatload of close games every year and the kicking is is super important. And, and with that, you know, Colton Rastetter at punter, another key you know, not those those positions weren't talked about as much this off season, but those are so important. Replacing, you know, Ron Kaluzzi from last year, who was such a weapon. Yeah. Um, special teams, you got two new return guys. I know Vandenberg's done it before, but he, he doesn't have a, you know, a ton of experience doing that. And and as much as I like the idea of Wadley on kickoffs. You never know. Some guys aren't built for that, and they're not, you know, just catching the ball. There's a lot that goes into that. It's more than just having a guy that's out there that has good moves. So the special teams overall are, are very interesting to me how, how they're going to shake out because they're always important. They are, and, and Ron Kaluzzi was one of the, the leaders in the country with regards to kicking touchbacks last year. I think roughly 65% of his kickoffs went into the end zone, and I think that was either top 10, no worse than top 14. I get some of my off-season statistics missed up, uh, mixed up, but you know, that's obviously very key. Over on the defensive side of things, anything surprise you on that 2-deep? I think that was more straightforward, fewer eyebrow-raising things other than maybe Geno Stone as the number two free safety. Yeah, but he he was playing that at Kids Day too. So I mean, a little bit, but they're so they're so thin in the secondary with experience that I'm kind of with you. A lot of these guys, a lot of the you know the makeup of the two deep on uh, on defense is was somewhat predictable, pretty predictable overall. And um, I guess the, the one the I guess the one surprise for me is was Matt Nelson just being a defensive tackle. Um, it sounds like that's going to be more his primary position now, whereas I thought it may be seeing him go, and maybe he will split time evenly between the two spots or close to even between the two spots. But I'm definitely interested to see how a six, eight guy plays defensive tackle in the big 10. The old saying goes, low man wins. And yep. when you're six, eight, that is a lot. You're a lot closer to giving up leverage just by taking the wrong approach and technique and you know a guard getting underneath your pads and lifting you up you lose leverage so i agree with you you don't see a lot of guys like that but he's a good athlete and maybe that quickness on the inside given that he's normally used to playing outside will be an advantage i mean we've seen i would do that before with guys like you know matt roth and jonathan babineau and christian ballard moving him inside and outside but none of those guys was six eight at most, they were 6'4", maybe 6'5", uh, in the case of Ballard. So that is going to be an interesting thing. But again, you know, Phil Parker, the big thing we talked about last week, Phil Parker saying that on the whole, he thinks this is the, uh, the you know, I can't remember if he said the best group that he's had or the most complete group that he's had since he's been the defensive coordinator. So who knows? Who knows what some of those guys behind him uh, are doing? How many snaps do you think A.J. Epinesa gets? It's funny, and I was thinking about that today. This in the spring, I think Phil Parker said fifteen to twenty. I'll take the over. Yeah, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I think he's proven that uh, he's deserving of more than 15 to 20. Um, that's a good question. I, Because I think at least this first week, I think they're going to try to play a ton of guys, especially with Josh Allen. I don't know if you've watched any of him or, or watched any of his film. He's a He is a bear. Um, I'm just impressed with the, the kid's ability to move the pocket and throw on the run across his body. I mean, he may – he threw a lot of interceptions last year, 15, but he will be a heck of a challenge on Saturday for for the defensive line. So I think they're going to try to keep as many guys as they can fresh. I think A.J. will increasingly play more as the season goes on. Um, I, I'd probably put him at 30 maybe on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's probably a good number. And, and it's nice to have that those the number of bodies we talked about you know, before in 2010. Um, how Iowa lacked bodies in the line. And there were times late in that year they got tired and they broke down. Right now the weather forecast for Saturday uh, is looking for a high of 79. Sunny skies, 11 a.m. You're looking at around 68 degrees. Uh, Winds not a factor, at least at this juncture, below 10 miles per hour. So you're talking about great weather for football and and hopefully weather that – you know, you don't see a lot of cramping that we've seen in some of Iowa's openers through the years, but that cramping can, you know, obviously starts on Friday night with hydration. But you get that, you get that nervous energy going. That's that's hard to back that stuff off. It would be real. You know, Iowa does a great job with their video production, and, and they don't need any suggestions from me. But I'm going to offer one out there anyway, um, and they're not listening, so it won't happen. Having you know several cameras focus in on the freshmen during warmups and when they run out of that tunnel for the first time, I, I would love, I would love to be in AJ Epines's helmet, or have a camera right in his face from you know long distance so he doesn't know it's there, to see his reaction when he comes out of that tunnel. I mean, again, this kid since the, the 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 minute he was old enough to talk, he's been talking Hawkeyes, and this you know that that dream of all kids who grow up iowa hawkeye fans to run out of that tunnel i would love to see those reactions yeah it's you're gonna be on the field shooting pictures there you go rob <laughs> howe is gonna get that for me i'll get still shots i'll do what i can and so people will have to paint their own picture um and maybe akram will jump over my head again like he did last year before the michigan game that's right um yeah i'm uh, I've got a story running tomorrow morning on, on James Butler too. I mean, he really, t- he talked a lot yesterday about, you know, this being a dream of his cause he right. really wanted to go to Iowa at a high school, but they didn't offer. Um, and how excited he is to come out in that swarm, um, and be a part of that with 70,000 people, um, you know, cheering him on. He said, yeah, I've been, in, I've been in stadiums where 70,000 people were cheering against me when I was playing at Nevada, but it'll be, it'll be a rush to come out of that tunnel and, the first swarm of the year is always special. Um, that's the one I always try to get some nice photos of for us to use on the site. And, uh, you know, it's usually the prominent guys are right in the middle of that thing. And mm-hmm. um, it'll be fun on Saturday. I'm, I'm just glad the season is finally here. That's the, the, the talking is done for the most part, except for this podcast. Well, yeah, the, uh, the you know, the empty calorie talking. You know, it's like sitting around eating a bag of M&Ms. It doesn't do anything for you, but it can fill you up. Uh, and I think we've probably reached that point in time this offseason i'm glad you brought up that butler point you're right i mean he's he's somebody who's wanted to do this for a long time i believe can't remember if it was a mentor or a coach or somebody in the community that was had you know ties to iowa and came over to games and brought him over and uh it just never happened so i'm glad that 
that Butler's getting a chance to uh, fulfill that dream. And, you know, my only exposure to him is that video that Iowa produced from camp and seems like a really, really good guy. And um, any, any other takeaways that you have from uh, the Tuesday uh, media gathering? I'm trying to think. Um, no, I mean, a lot of it was expected. A lot of talk of Josh Allen and, and how to defend him. A lot of it was, was pretty predictable. I think, I think the players are ready to go. I think they've had enough of, you know, hitting against each other. I think they're ready to, to get on the field. And I just, there's a lot of intrigue to this season, as we talked about before with, you know, new, new coaches, new players, new quarterback, um, I thought Nathan Stanley, or Nate Stanley, excuse me, I'm going to keep messing that up, I'm sure, probably for half this season, um, handled himself really well yesterday. I, I think he's starting to get comfortable in his own skin here, um, and, and I think that was a good sign. Um, he stood there and answered questions uh, probably for close to an hour mm-hmm. uh, from TV and, and uh, you know, web, newspaper, radio, what have you. So, um, and, and I thought he... He shows a calmness, John, that I, I think is really going to help him. Um, there guys come in different shapes and sizes, from Drew Tate to CJ was even different than Tate to, you know, to Rudock. Um, there's nobody like Tate, bro. No, there's nobody like Tate, but different personalities, and I, and I have a feeling that his cool, calm, collected personality is going to help him, especially early on in his career. Did you ever uh, have Tate give you a little bit of a, a rebuff on a question? Nah, Drew and I always got along pretty well. I was It was weird, and this would never happen in these days. Well, it can happen in these days. But I remember in before the 2003 season, I requested him for a Tuesday media day, and I was the only one who interviewed the kid. Hmm. And I, you imagine that happening no, today? If, no, no. Like, Peyton Manziel showed up at a press conference what it would be like no that was outside the old bubble and it was much more there, there wasn't as many media mem- media people back then um that was my I think that was my first season with Hawkeye Nation it was yes, my first it was. Season with Hawkeye Nation so that interview would have been on there and um yeah so we got off to a good start doing that so I wasn't I did not get the wrath of Tate um at any point during his career but I certainly witnessed it yeah it was the spring uh I think following the spring game of 2004 and when, when, you know, Tate was going into his sophomore year, I think he was battling Jason Manson for the starting position. And I was like, I, I, I'd asked, you know, I I was involved. Everybody's around Drew Tate, you know, about 10 or 15 microphones in his face and I'm tall and got long arms. So I've got my arms stuck in there with my recorder and I wasn't really listening and I was really passively involved because I was looking around for, you know, some of the older upperclassmen that I wanted to go talk to because that's 2004. You're talking about some, uh, you know, some pretty heavy hitters at that point in time. And then I just kind of turned in. I don't even remember what I asked him, quite frankly. And I don't think I was even looking at him when I asked him the question. And and there was a then there was silence, and then I looked over at him and he's just staring at me. He's like, "What do you even want me to say to that?" And I and I just kind of walked away. And he's he remembered that and he's given me crap about that through the years. <laughs> but that was the, that was the and I deserved every bit of it. Frankly, uh, I got most of the time we do deserve it when we get. Oh yeah, it's usually and it's usually situations like that where we're drifting. We're thinking about the next interview. Right. What do, who I got to get before I leave? And then you asked the. It happened yesterday. I think somebody asked. I can't remember who it was, but somebody asked a question of one of the players, like 
a, one question after it was just asked, and he was standing there too. It wasn't like he came late to the interview, and the right. kid would looked at him was just, <laughs> just like, "Are you serious, man?" So yeah, it's a it's a comedy. Uh, uh, so it, that is a comedy. That would be a good reality show. Those uh, those Tuesday press conferences and. Uh, some of the the bloopers that happen at those things. Yeah, you're probably right. It would be, but thankfully it's not. For, <laughs> yeah, for, I agree. For all of those involved. Anything else uh, you want to toss in? Are we good? Um, no, not really. Um, I guess. Um, what was I gonna? What was I thinking of? Predictions. Yeah, maybe a prediction thing for this game. Sure. Um, I think. I, I mean, I put my preview and prediction up on the site today, but maybe it's good to get us on the podcast too for people that don't like to read my long-winded copy. I, I never get that. I mean, it's, <laughs> I prefer the reading. I enjoy the conversations too. But um, you know, what was the the line that we're using? Was it like what eleven and a half or twelve and a half? I, I can't even remember what it was, but you know, it was in the thirteens in the summer. Um, then it got down to eleven, twelve over majority of the bets right now that are being placed in the game are being placed on Wyoming to cover the spread and all along I've kind of felt like it would be I would take Wyoming and I'm you know this is my first caveat of the year do not go make wagers on my advice please do not I just kind of feel like I was going to come out with a sledgehammer in this game and and it, the, the line will be in doubt but I think Iowa's going to I think Iowa wins by 13 14 points and I don't think that you know, by the time we get to the fourth quarter, it's going to be all that scary. Maybe Iowa gets up by 20, and then Wyoming answers back, and it's cut to 13, and Iowa has a, you know, 11-play, 45-yard drive that chews up the last five minutes of the clock, a la, what was it, the 2002 Miami of Ohio game over there uh, in Oxford. Oh, yeah. It, it, high temperatures. Iowa didn't win that game by very much, but at the end of the game, oh, they, it's a yeah, ridiculously they, long drive that just ran the clock out. That offensive, that 2002 offensive line was just not going to let them lose that game. They just got down and nasty and just drove that ball down the field. Yeah, that was like one of three meetings with uh, with Ben Roethlisberger, who Kirk Ferentz brought up a couple of times during the, the press conference as it relates to Wyoming's quarterback, um, gosh, I, what, Josh, what's – like I'll remember his name after Saturday, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Phil Parker brought up Roethlisberger last week too. I think it's a, it's a decent comparison. I think this kid's a better athlete. Ben was a pretty good athlete at Miami. No, he was. He definitely was. I mean, he had Division One basketball offers too. Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger yeah, he was did, put but... together. He was put together really well. Yeah, so. you look at Saturday. I mean. I think they list Allen at 6'3", 223, and Stanley – or 6'5", 223 – or, yeah, 6'5", 223. I'll be able to get through this. And and Stanley at 6'5", 230. That's a couple of big boys throwing the pigskin around on Saturday. It is. So what's your prediction? Uh, I posted today I had 27-17. Uh, I certainly would be surprised to see – you know, them, them cover the spread, like you said, maybe in that 13 to 14 point range. Um, I, I think it'll probably be close in the first half. I think um, I think also, as you said earlier, I think it's going to be a feeling out process early. Um, I don't think I will take any huge chances early. I think they're just going to want to get some things established. Um, but I think they're going to be able to run the football. I can't see Wyoming was just 
really brutal on defense last year. Um, they couldn't stop the run, and it got worse as the season went on. Um, they've got a new defensive coordinator. They do have guys back on defense, but I still think Iowa's going to be able to run the ball, even if they load up. Um, I, I still think they'll be able to, to, to do enough on the ground um, to open things up and then go back to that run later in the game and, and salt it away in the second half. Um and I think Iowa will be able to get some pressure on Allen. I think, you know, as we talked about that defensive line, uh, senior linebackers, I think they'll be able to do some different things to get at him and and shake him up a little. He had five picks at Nebraska last year, um, and he had two each in his la- of the last two games, the Mountain West Championship, and then again in the bowl game against BYU. He was bad in the bowl game against BYU. He cost him that game. Um, so I think he can be rattled. Um, and, you know, it, as much as they say they're ready for this game and they're prepared for 70,000 yelling at them, um, I'm not sure they will be. Um, but I know that I, I we, if, if fans are, you know, wondering what it's going to be like and what this team looks like, just think back to, to North Dakota State last year. A lot of the same uh, schemes. Uh, they do a lot of things on offense to try to get, you know, the defense off their, you know, off their game. They move them around a lot. Defensively, they're aggressive. They'll come after Stanley. Um, but I think. In the end, I think Iowa will have just too much for them in this game, um, and I got it at ten points. But we'll see. Maybe they cut. Maybe they get the backdoor cover. Yeah, they're retooling at wide receiver. A big deal. They they lost their you know I think maybe school record setting running back um, last for this off season as well with regards to graduation, and their offensive line is retooling. And if Iowa's defensive front four can't get pressure in this game without help from the linebackers that would be a concern and something that i'm really interested to see something that you should watch and see okay i was struggling to get pressure this game even though you know they'll get better as the season goes along i really expect iowa to get some pressure on him yeah they started they're starting a true freshman at center oh my gosh yeah, he's taken over for their all-conference center last year. Um, they've got some upperclassmen on that offensive line, but not a ton of experience. And a true freshman at center, uh, first game uh, at Kinnick, I would hope they would be able to disrupt him a little bit. Yeah, I, I see a lot of interior twists with A.J. Epinesa lined up at right end, twisting in and coming right up inside that center whose head's going to be on a freaking swivel. <laughs> yeah. A lot of tackle games going on there. So, All right, we're looking forward to it actually some football to sit down and watch and you know i'm at the age where i pretty much just leave it alone i I don't like start thinking about it really until saturday morning and just because i don't want to like i I don't want the week to drag anticipating something and i also you know it's it's not as like enormous to me as it was when i was in my 20s there's you know we're we're parents now there's other things going on but when Saturday morning rolls around, uh, I'll be ready. I just hope that this year, the, my Saturday morning wake-up for the first game isn't like last year's when I was woken up by a 5.7 Richter scale earthquake <laughs> and I thought my house was coming down. So I, I don't want that to happen again this year. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen either. I hope it's a smooth uh, smooth morning and a, a, that turns into a smooth afternoon. Um, it's Like you said, it's supposed to be beautiful out there. I think they said yesterday there were 5,500 tickets. Yesterday being Tuesday, there were still 5,500 left. I'd expect that number to come down and be close to a sellout, if not a sellout. All right, Rob. We'll talk to you soon.
Thanks, John. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, Dace and I will be on with you here probably in the next day or so as we uh, offer up our predictions on uh, every Big Ten game and more. Thank you for listening to the HN Podcast.